Welcome to Business Line's State of the Economy podcast, where you'll find insight, analysis, and the story behind the numbers. Hello, and welcome to Business Line podcast. I'm your host Jyoti Bantia, and today we'll talk about climate tech investment in India. With me, I have two guests who are going to talk about the same, at least from India's perspective, and in the past couple of years. But the investments in the sector has not been in the growth stage round. Uh, to clarify and to talk more about the sector, we have Angad Daryan, founder and CEO at Tran, and Seema Chaturvedi, founder AWE Funds. My first question is to Seema. Uh, the sector has seen funds and investments flowing in uh, in the past couple of years. The growth trajectory has been impressive. What do you make of it? Well, uh, first of all, Jyoti, thank you so much for inviting me to this podcast. Appreciate it. Um, and you're right. I think uh, the reality is that people are waking up to uh, what they're living and experiencing on a daily basis. And the urgency of addressing the negative impact of climate change is finally facing them in their, you know, in their daily lives. Uh, for those of us who have been investors in a prior, what, what I've begun to call climate 1.0 cycle. Um, that was an esoteric concept for many people, unfortunately. Uh, so given the lived reality and the urgency associated with it, uh, there has to be a capital allocation. Uh, the great news right now is that, especially in the context of India, there is a lot of frugal innovation that can come up with great solutions that address this uh, crying need of climate change, not just within India, but also on a global level. So many investors like us are looking at innovators and founders and founding teams in India uh, specifically to come up with solutions that are great, not just for India, but also for uh, a broader global uh, solution. Angad, your thoughts on the same, please? I think uh, it's a very exciting time um, just yesterday, I was, you know, uh, discussing with uh, another global venture capitalist that uh, India is the place to build climate tech out of, and you build it from India for the world, specifically because it allows you to uh, get the unit economics oversight on manufacturing, which we can't get in China, um, and also the scale of impact, which uh, can be actually uh, measurable. Uh, with respect to climate impact that we can make. So it's an exciting time to be here. Uh, definitely a lot of revamp required in the ecosystem to allow the pace of progress to be uh, what it's required to be. Um, but yeah, it's exciting time to be here. My next question to both my guests is that even though the investments have seen the uptick, the growth stage investments that are required probably for a startup to fuel in a certain direction has been missing from climate tech investments, especially when it comes to growth rounds, at least like a series C, series D and above. So why do investors have this hesitation of putting in that sort of a money? Seema, if you could please go first. Sure. So, you know, a, a lot of things are evolving right now and, and there is iterative changes happening um, as people recognize that these problems and these solutions associated in solving the problems require bigger checks 
and greater capital allocations. Uh, there are much bigger funds being set up, uh, be it at the sovereign level uh, within countries, including India, that are entirely focused on climate and also uh, international investors that are setting up almost on a daily basis. We hear of announcements of sizable funds, uh, and I'm talking north of a billion dollars even, that are getting set up. So it is rapidly moving um, sands in some manner, uh, literally and figuratively, but specifically um, as relates to climate, uh, that there are... Um, there is going to be down coming down the pike much bigger uh, set of investors uh, who will address this need because this need exists. The reality is that it is a rapidly evolving space and the evolution has seeded at the very startup level. So it, because of its nascency, because it is rapidly evolving and because people are seeing one, the need for bigger checks and two, the opportunity for it, I fully expect there to be much bigger rounds being uh, that'll get done. Fundamental to which is the fact that this time around, as I said earlier, there is actually a stronger business case. And that stronger business case is rooted in the strong demand for climate solutions. And especially in Global South, building on what Angad said um, and adding to why India's even more exciting is because Unfortunately, the burden of climate change is not going to be geographically. While it's still our planet Earth, it's going to be felt more in global south. And it has been massively documented that you know, the industrial revolutions of the earlier decades has uh, essentially sucked out uh, literally the oxygen of the planet. So for that reason, the greater attention has to come to global south and more and more companies for that reason also recognizing, and when I say companies, I mean investors also, are recognizing the opportunities. So yes, today as we speak, they might it might be more difficult to get checks uh, of a bigger size, but I am an optimist and I fully see that changing just because, as I want to reiterate, it, it is the nascency of an iterative process of getting funding to the scale and size that this, this opportunity offers to investors. And I fully expect that this scenario will evolve and change uh, for the positive. Angad, your thoughts on the same, please? I mean, um, I think, you know, Seema really, uh, I think, put in perspective at the LP level what the uh, transition is but I don't think it's actually even at a series C D. I think the challenges start all the way from series A and B because um, I think there is a most of the climate tech companies in India which have raised uh, sufficient capital and are seeing good outcomes have raised at prices at the global level not at the India benchmarking so what happens when that takes place is that uh, the expectations from these startups in terms of revenues or outcomes or even pace is at par with uh, the global companies that these funds invest in. Now, there is a market gap, which is that most climate companies are B2B companies if they want to make significant impact. And the B2B sales cycles in India are, are you know, significantly longer than they are in the US. And also the check size may be significantly lower. 
from the customer to to the business. As a result, you'll notice that most climate tech, hardware, deep tech companies in India, while they may hit that 1 million ARR mark and, and continue to scale, uh, there is a plateauing of the rate of cap uh, revenue growth as well as the, the pace at which it occurs. So each market globally should have its or needs to have its own temperament of how that, that market can be captured in that country. Um, and at the same time, the investors have to understand that temperament, which is what I think is is going to come around. But I think it's at least 48 months or more away uh, till you start seeing, you know, 30, 50 million dollar series A rounds for carbon capture or uh, in, in our case, you know, some kind of process engineering or battery tech. Uh, most round sizes are still, you know, relatively low, which would be at par with a seed, pre-seed round in, in the U.S. when we raise so I think there's a there's a lot of stuff that needs to get done and and fall in in order. But I think there are few leaders and indicators, um, which which do promise that people are understanding value of India. But there's a whole ecosystem level understanding and and revamp which needs to take place, just like it did for consumer. Absolutely. Um... In terms of the tech that has been developed in India, and as rightly pointed by the two of you, that the tech that can, that can be developed in India with the unit size, it can be applied at the global level. What kind of tech have you seen that has been exciting in the current times that can deal with the climate tech problem at a world scale? Uh, Angad, if you could please go first. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, personally, uh, I'm always excited by, uh, you know, science that can be, a paradigm shifting. This doesn't have to be complex, but it has to be a very fundamental change which leads to an industry level change. An example in consumer would be the touch screen, right? It changed how all of us interact with phones. Uh, with respect to my company, Pran, you know, we said air purification has to be filterless, which means that there's no recurring cost of ownership and you have to do this at large scale. So again, very fundamental can be applied in industry, home, commercial use case or, or other. Uh, another company in India would be Log9. Uh, battery tech is incredibly unique um, compared to traditional lithium-ion batteries uh, and being developed from scratch in, in India. So I say, you know, these are examples of value creation that's outsized. Um, not so much about, you know, EVs in particular or uh, companies building specific uh, type of battery management systems and so on, because fundamentally they're not inventing architecture of these systems or writing code from scratch, which is uh, paradigm shifting or does not exist. So what will come out of India and what should come out of India actually, and something I look forward to is uh, frugal innovation like Seema mentioned, but at uh, a paradigm shifting level in science. So you know, how do we utilize all this double waste that, that gets generated every winter season to make biochar and then scale that as uh, both carbon capture as well as fertilization options, not just for India, but for the world. Uh, changes in how paints are made, how steel is made, uh, cement, all these high emission industries. Um, and then bringing that to a consumer level and saying that you know the water that we drink should actually be captured from humidity in cities as opposed to using fresh groundwater. It's a lot of exciting things that can be done, um, but I think it should really we should really be focused on fundamental research and investment, then on 
um, you know, whatever gets uh, revenue moving the fastest. Um, because if you, if you want to move towards a quick uh, product output that may not always have greatest fundamental innovation. So once fundamental innovation is done, it can be channeled into many different forms of products. Um, and then those products can individually have large TAMs. Um, and I think that would be a more feasible approach for wider impact, measurable impact, and also true value creation, as opposed to saying, let's just rebrand something from China because it's uh, slightly better for the environment and, and sell it and build a brand here. So that temperament shift, focus on core innovation, true validation at fundamental level and risk at fundamental level is, I think, uh, what India needs today. And I, th I think more and more grant programs are, are required to help do that at the early stages. Absolutely. Seema, your thoughts on the same, please? Well, uh, so uh, Jodi, the, the question was, what kind of innovation uh, can India produce? Tech innovations something that's ex that can be taken to a global level. Yeah, and I, you, you know, I agree with Angad uh, for the most part. Uh, the one uh, definition that we like to talk about in innovation, everything doesn't have to be, while it can be product and should be uh, deep science, a lot of innovation is also process-related uh, innovation. So it doesn't always have to be product innovation, uh, which is, again, fundamentally needed. But India is uniquely positioned to have, uh, because of, again, limited resources, let's also recognize that, uh, well, the world is starved of $4 trillion to reach uh, SDGs, right? So uh, in, in the setting of frugality in even accessing resources and that can make such product innovation, there's a lot of process innovation and the fundamental uh, you know, thing that we all take pride in of, of the right kind of uh, frugal jugaad also that makes uh, necessity become the mother of all inventions. Uh, we take pride in that. And I think uh, the world is also recognizing that India can offer uh, definitely a product, but also process innovation. So we are uh, excited about some of those um, operations as well. But to Angad's point, uh, India does also uniquely have the ability to leapfrog a lot of um, changes that other countries have organically grown just from learning. And we have a massively successful case study in the UPI, right? And how countries are now copying and studying India's UPI adoption and how that galvanized the whole FinTech revolution. So India, again, is taking and with the G20 summit and uh, PM Modi's announcements and the freight corridor being built between India, Middle East and Europe, all of these are again, leadership positions that India is positioning itself on a global stage to say that while we may not have caused the problem, we are definitely taking ownership of being leaders and finding solutions. And that is what I think is exciting. But the reality is that we are resource starved uh, as, as a country to fully fund, and not just India, but most countries do not have the bandwidth to fund um, the level of research that is required. So uh, I do agree that you know some of this is not even suitable for venture funding, and and if you know if you look at the amount of 
deep dollars that are spent in countries like US and say Department of uh, Defense or Department of Energy. I mean, you read about the um, infrastructure bill um, that that US has uh, propounded. I mean, they are giving billions away now uh, for climate solutions. So India absolutely needs something like this. Uh, the question is whether do we have the resources and can and there's definitely political will. There's definitely leadership uh, in wanting to make that happen. Uh, I think uh, and I'm hopeful that given our ingenuity and given our ability to actually deliver solutions and execute uh, on some of these, we will be able to attract greater foreign capital in addition to indigenous sources of capital that have increased over the past few years. Uh, so. Uh, you know, it, it is a balancing act. Um, interestingly, we've invested in companies that are actually being looked upon by global uh, players. For example, KB Coles, a company I'm very, very proud of, uh, where we have two innovators, um, Vaishali, Kulkarni, and uh, Arjun, and they have created a company which is making uh, biocolors from microbes and there are probably one or two other companies in the world that are making alternatives to petrochemical-based paint and color. And that is, again, to Angad's point of paradigm-shifting technology. Uh, we are actively studying air purification as, a, as an area uh, where I think, again, we can, um, in, in some of the countries, the companies that we've evaluated, um, and much like Pran, and Pran has done a phenomenal job as well, uh, but there are the additional companies that are, again, the problem is set is so big that we need more uh, companies that can similarly innovate. So uh, I'm hopeful um, and I'm, I'm really counting on the frugality of innovation in India, which can then bring down the global bill for the solutions that are effectively needed for climate. What are the challenges that the sector is facing currently? Angad, if you could please start first. I think uh, at early stages, it's all very exciting, right? You're just trying to prove that something can be built and done. Uh, so there's a lot of that happening in India. Uh, next stage is once you move out of your lab into pilot and then scale up. Uh, in scale up, there needs to be a sort of uh, the only way that can be done, it's, you know, uh, to, to make the company's venture investable or venture scalable um, is to have, uh, you know, corporate partners in terms of customers or even B2C customers uh, who, who can actually uh, you know, absorb this new technology at the required rate. So, uh, you know, but, and, and it, typically is not going to happen just with a direct sales model. And in countries like India, it's really leveraging connections and networks to help make sure that you're speaking to the right people. And uh, it's being done in a manner that's so-called so expedited, which is also a eight to 12 month cycle. Um, so I think that's going to be a challenge for a lot of climate tech companies in India, at least for next few years, till it becomes generalized that more technology is being accepted by uh, corporates at the pace which would make it venture justifiable. Um, so for Pran, we had to tremendously leverage network, uh, you know, meet with the right MDs, CXOs, 
of large number of organizations to actually uh, get the scale which we still haven't achieved but you know uh, are on path to achieving with you know large number of companies which have scaling opportunities scaling contracts um, that that make sure that this shows that so called exponential or hockey stick curve that venture expects absolutely uh seema your thoughts on the same please sure um you know i agree with anga the scalability is a problem um and which is also in our view an opportunity uh for some of the companies and and as relates to us being the smart capital on the cap table because uh, as a fund our funds uh, brings the differentiated straddle of helping their portfolio company scale um, not just within India but internationally because we've done this for gosh the past 20 years uh, where we've been helping India-based companies scale so I think um, we see this as it is a challenge, but we see it as an opportunity to find the right set of founding team members that we can open doors for, uh, especially with the U.S.-India straddle that we have uh, really deeply curated. And, uh, you know, the, I think that is the mindset that can really also help India-based companies scale. Um, we've seen that come in waves in other different industries in that have come out of India and have become global now. Um, and I think Climate tech will just have to do that as well uh, to be able to not just uh, sustain, but also grow, uh, which is very much needed. Okay. Seema, your closing thoughts on the podcast, please. No, I think, uh, you know, what you're doing, Jyoti, is phenomenal in emphasizing and shining a spotlight on the much needed and relevant and here and now uh, area of interest, uh, which is climate tech and it is so pertinent. I want to emphasize one thing for the audience that in our view, we are, uh, as of funds, for those who may not know us, we are a gender smart uh, fund investing in uh, innovation to promote gender equity and just climate transact, uh, transition. Uh, because we think while there is a massive challenge and there is a crisis, it's actually uh, one of the biggest threats for all humankind. We are also seeing it as an opportunity uh, to reset a fundamentally inequitable equation, uh, which is lack of equity uh, in especially gender. Uh, so the reason I point this out and the significance of it, this is not just a mere, you know, we have to have equity for the sake of equity. It is because the burden of climate change is actually not gender neutral. And if you study any level of economics in this area, you will note that the the burden of, uh, for example, climate change and natural disasters, just as one data point, oftentimes it's studied to have a 14 times more uh, higher impact on women and children, whether it be through refugee migration, et cetera. And we've seen this crisis unfold at multiple different levels. So we're not just talking, and we're not fixating on the tier one cities of the, of any country, but we're going down to the rural populations as well. So my thought on, on climate tech investing is to use um, what this, uh, this challenge, uh, the opportunity that this challenge presents, and let's have it as a reset mechanism of using gender smart investing to have companies like Trump, for that matter, um, also 
find ways to take along with them 50% of the population that has typically lagged behind in economic development, and there are many and more statistics to support my claim, but also use this as a great opportunity to say, through this, we will be able to affect supply chain. So it's not just about ownership, but also supply chains and market making, where we are offering a more equitable solution to everybody in the community. And I think climate tech can offer that option right now because many more jobs, for example, are going to come out. Um, 600 billion has been invested in climate tech. Only 1% of that is gender smart. So here is a great opportunity for all of us to take ownership of solving this problem in a way that it's sustainable. And as all of us know, uh, when the balance of the 50% of the population is deeply involved, uh, they can actually make this a more adopted solution and hence the sustainability. Absolutely. Angad, your closing thoughts, please. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I'm aligned with what, what uh, Seema said. Um, you know, our belief system has always been that with in climate uh, and also air pollution, if we make the problem statement and the whole endeavor of working in it exciting and aspirational as opposed to, hey, here's a problem you have to solve. We may see far more people uh, interested in, in working on these solutions. So uh, that's been something we've always tried to relay even in our products. Like it needs to be aspirational to own, futuristic, exciting, yet so afford like relatively affordable that you really want to get it. So I think making climate exciting and you know hey we're going to go to these crazy fun cool things and we're going to change the world that sort of uh inherent conversation and nature of of you know uh presenting it to begin with and then saying oh hey by the way this solves this huge problem that's affecting all of us um maybe the the path to take to get more and more people or throughout the ecosystem so the talent founders uh investors our customers all all aligned. Thank you so much for this conversation. Thanks, Jyoti. Thanks, Angad. Nice to meet you, Angad. Likewise. Thank you.